Good evening to you. It is very good to see each and every one of you out this evening. We're so very thankful that you come to make, you've made the decision to come be a part of these services tonight. It's good to be back on Wednesday evening tonight with you. We missed last week because of uh, some pretty bad storms that come through our area. And even though I'm glad no one got hurt, everyone was safe. I uh, did have a little bit of tree damage here at the church, but nothing nothing too awful bad. But um, so it's probably a good good thing that uh, we didn't have services and everybody be on the road. But um, I am glad that we're able to be back together tonight. Man, I, one thing that I'm so very thankful for, when I miss church, I really miss it. And I, I really missed being here with you last week. And um, so good to be back tonight in the study of the Word of God. I've told you many times, for me... This is my favorite service. I like all our services, but this is my favorite service of the week. It's a time of refreshing for me. You know, when you get to come in in the middle of the week with all the hustle and bustle that you've got to deal with every day, um, this refreshes me being in the presence of God with the people of God, experiencing the power of God by the Word of God. Man, it's an amazing thing, and I'm so glad that each and every one of you have come out to be a part of these services this evening. I believe with everything in me, that if we come ready to receive what the Lord has for us, that he's ready to give it. How about you? I believe that God is not hindered by the day of the week. How about you? The same God who meets with us on Sunday, meets with us on Wednesday, meets with us every day. And I'm so thankful we have the great privilege of getting in his word tonight. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And we're going to try and finish up with chapter 2 tonight. So I'm going to ask you to listen fast. I'm going to talk fast, and we'll be done in just a little bit. Just to review just a moment what we've learned so far, there's really four main points that I see in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. First of all, Paul is finishing up what he began in the first chapter. He starts in the first chapter telling us the importance of the preaching of the gospel. And he tells us how that our church has to find its foundation um, in the preaching of the gospel and how important that is that the gospel message is shared with the whole world. And then in chapter number 2, he teaches us, first of all, in the first five verses, we looked at this last time we were together, that the gospel message is centered around the death of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen to that. How many of you know that a gospel message or a message without the preaching of the cross was not the gospel message? I've come to find out that in the modern church we have today, and I'm not just, I, I never want this to be true of our church, but I do see this in the world that we live in. I do hear a lot of this in a lot of the messages I hear preached. A lot of people believe that, you know, if we talk about the cross or if we talk about the shedding of blood, that somehow that's going to turn people off to coming to a church service like this. I want you to hear me very plainly and very clearly. I want you to understand fully where I stand on this. Folks, if we preach a message that does not have the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the shedding of blood for the remission of sins, if we preach that message, that's not the gospel message. If we give that message, then we're not really a church at all. All we, all we then become is a community center. How many of you know we've got enough community centers? What we need above everything else is the preaching of the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, the preaching of the gospel that truly makes a difference in men, women, boys, and girls' lives. The preaching of the gospel, Paul told us in chapter 1, is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it's the power of God. 
And so I believe the preaching of the gospel, coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, is still what's changing hearts and lives. He said, Brother, how do you know that? Well, I know that because that's what's changed me. That is what is continually changing me to be what God wants me to be. And so I know the power of the gospel. I've experienced it in my own life. And if there's going to be any power in this church or any church, their, their preaching, their teaching, truly has to be centered around the gospel message. That must be our foundation. And we've got to share about the cross. We've got to share about the shedding of blood. I've come to realize, as the Lord has given me the privilege of, of pastoring and being given me the privilege of sharing my faith, that most everybody knows that Jesus died on the cross. About everybody knows that. But they don't know why he died. They don't know what the significance of them um, the cross really was. They don't know how that is significant to their own personal life and to their eternity. And so our message and our um, commission, according to the Word of God, is to share with others why Jesus did that for them. You've got to make that personal. You've got to make that, uh, you know, to, to each and every individual why it's important for their life. And that's exactly what Paul did. That's what Peter did. They preached the gospel message. First Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse number 2, Paul says, We're determined not to know anything among you except Christ Jesus and Him crucified. So what's Paul saying? I came preaching to you the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus, and what it means for you personally as he's speaking to this church. Paul preached the gospel. Peter preached the gospel. John preached the gospel. The apostles preached the gospel. And the Bible says they turned the world upside down for Jesus. Why? Because there's power in the gospel. It's amazing. Now, if they preached the gospel and the Lord used them to change the world, should we not preach the gospel so the Lord can use us to, to change the world? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Now, if we know, if, if that's what we know we're called to do, what God has commanded us to do in His Word, uh, then we, we've also got to look at the gospel they preach. Let's look at it just a moment. There's really four main points to the gospel that Paul preached in the preaching of the crucifixion. First of all, he always revealed what a sinner is. Now, let, me, let me be clear again, folks. A message that does not deal with sin is not the gospel. Amen? It's not. You've got to tell people what a sinner is. A sinner is the person that transgresses or breaks the law of God. A sinner is the person who stands in rebellion to God who is holy. And you've got to deal with sin if you're going to rightly preach the gospel. That's not always easy. That's not always popular. But it is absolutely necessary to preach the right message. Amen. That's what Paul always did. Not only did he tell people what a sinner is, but he also preached the, the true nature of sin. And the true nature of sin is that it is so dark, it is so um, heinous, it is so egregious to God who is holy that it took the nailing of the Son of God and God the Son to a cross to take the punishment for my sin and for yours. It's more than just a mess up. It's more than just a mistake. It's us spitting in the face of God and saying, God, we don't want your way. We're going to do our way. We're going to do our thing. Sin put Jesus on a cross and folks, we as Christians ought to hate sin, amen? It's very important. 
He preached the true nature of sin. He also preached the message of a Savior. And you need to understand this. When the when Jesus said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He sent His Son to be a Savior. Why? For we needed saving. Why did we need saving? Because we were sinners. You've got to deal with this if you're going to rightly preach the gospel. You've got to show people Where we all are apart from Christ. And apart from Christ, we're all in our sin, standing in need of a Savior. Jesus came and willingly took our place at the cross, and that's the message Paul preached. He took my death so that he might give me his life. The message of a Savior. Number four, he preached that Jesus is the only way. Now, I know you're going to hear a lot of people say today there are many ways to God. You hear that all over the place. You hear that everywhere you turn and makes it, give everybody the warm and fuzzies and makes them feel good, but it's not true. It's not true according to the Bible. It's not true according to Jesus himself, for he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's certainly not true according to the preaching of the Apostle Paul. He preached Jesus to be the only way because he is. He's the only one born perfect, who lived perfect, who sacrificially died perfect, and then who overcome death, hell, and the grave. That's why I trust in Jesus. He's the only way. He's the only way. So we've got to pay attention to the message we preach, and our message has to match this message, the message, the true message of the gospel. Amen? So the gospel centers around the death of Christ. We learned that in the first five verses. But the gospel is also part of God's eternal plan. We learned that last time we were together in verses 6 through 9. Do you know that the Bible says Jesus is the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world? Do you know Jesus was never a plan B? Because that's kind of how for a long time I was really taught and that's how I learned that You know, God first gave the law, and then when the law didn't work, then Jesus had to come along and do what the law couldn't do. Well, there's a little bit of truth in that, but but now listen to me, folks. The Lord knew, God knew exactly what was going to happen before the world ever existed. And in His eternal wisdom, in eternity past, He had already planned the gospel. Look at verse number 7, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Look what the Bible says there. And now this may read a little bit different tonight. I'm using the New King James, okay? But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory. Or, or before the ages for our glory, excuse me. So before the ages, in eternity past, God had ordained the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is and what he did for each and every one of us, what he did for the world. So it was in the eternal plan of God. Number three, we learned last week that the gospel is revealed by the Spirit. Look down, if you will please, at verse number 10. But God has revealed them these secret um, things, these uh, these things that seem to be a mystery pre-Jesus. He's revealed them to us through his Spirit. How many of you are thankful that God the Holy Spirit has made the gospel real to you. <laughs> I, man, I'm going to tell you something. When I finally 
got serious with the Lord and he got serious with me. And God the Holy Spirit started revealing to me my need for a Savior and began to reveal to me that Jesus was exactly what I needed to be made right with God. And, and all of that came together. Folks, I cannot explain, explain to you, express to you just how powerful that moment was for me. And then everything started to make sense. Everything started to fall into place. I began to see just exactly what God had trying was trying to show me all along. But it took the work of the Holy Spirit in His time to bring me to that place. The gospel, the message that changes hearts and changes lives is revealed by the Spirit. We're going to see more of that tonight. I'm telling you, you can talk to people till you're blue in the face. You can beg them. You can plead with them. You can reason with them. And all of that, I truly believe, helps spur them along as you spread that good seed. It helps when you spread the seed and somebody else waters and finally God gives the increase. All of that helps. But until God the Holy Spirit reveals this truth to them, Until those scales fall off, brother. It's impossible to see it. Salvation is a work of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. A supernatural work. It's amazing. The gospel is revealed by the Spirit and all of that, those first three points that I just gave you, the, the gospel is centered around the death of Christ. The gospel is part of God's eternal plan, plan. And the gospel is revealed by God the Holy Spirit. All of those three main points that I gave you right there is really good information about who God is and what He has done. It's really good theology. But I love how Paul does this. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he turns the table real quick. And he goes from information about who God is and what God has done, and he turns the tables on us. He goes from preaching some really good theology to some anthropology, to some study of man and what man is and how man needs God and what it, that really means to us, what he's previously said in these first 13 verses. So from verses 14 through uh, the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, he talks about where we are with the Lord. And for the purpose of sharing this rightly, and for the purpose of sharing this in a way that maybe all of us can understand, myself included, I want to ask you a question. I'm not going to ask you to answer out loud tonight. I'm just wanting to ask you to, to answer within your heart and be honest. I want to ask you the question, are you growing in the Lord? Are you? Are you growing in the Lord? Because that's really what Paul talks about in these last verses of chapter 2 and the first verses of chapter 3. And he does it in a very powerful way. He talks about three different kinds of men that we're going to look at in these verses. Three different kinds of men, and I can tell you this, I believe that all of us sitting here tonight, all of us that are listening online tonight, we can all find ourselves in one of these three categories. And so I'm going to ask you to be honest 
with yourself and put yourself in the right category according to the Word of God. So let's read through this. We'll read from 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, starting with the 14th verse, and we're going to go all the way through um, 1 Corinthians 3 and 1. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I love that. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Let's just go on to verse number 4. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Let's pray together. Father, again, thank you, Lord, for this good day. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this great privilege of standing before these people with an open Bible. And, Lord, you and I know I can do nothing. And, Lord, I truly want to do nothing without your power and presence. Holy Spirit, I need you this evening. Lord, these people need not hear my wisdom but yours. They need not hear what I have to say but what your truth says to all of us. Father, make this truth real to us. Convict hearts, change lives, comfort those who need comforting. Do the work, Holy Spirit, that only you can do. And start with me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Three different types of men. Where do you find yourself? First of all, in verse number 14, he mentions the natural man. He says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Now let me tell you something. If we're trying to answer the question whether or not we're growing in the Lord, let me tell you this. The natural man cannot and will not grow in spiritual things. It's impossible. It's never going to happen. It cannot happen according to what God's Word says. Now, there's three reasons that I want to give you tonight that the natural man cannot and will not grow in the things of the Spirit. It's never going to take place. Number one, the natural man has no spiritual life. The natural man is only natural. The natural man has no spirit life in him. Can you say amen? Now, I know this because that's where I used to be. I used to be a natural man who was not made alive to the things of the Spirit. Do you remember Sunday morning how I told you that we all are created in the image of God? And what, I, what the Bible means by that is that we are created triune in nature. Do you remember me saying that? Now, you remember when Adam was created in the garden, the Bible says that he created his body. He had that physical body that he interacted physically with others with. And then the Bible says God breathed into his nostrils and Adam became what? A living soul. A living soul. And because Adam, listen to me now, 
was in right relationship with God. He had a, he was alive to the things of the Spirit. Therefore, he could interact with God in the garden. He had communion with the Lord there in that perfect place, being the perfect sinless man that God had created. But what happened when Adam sinned? The Bible says, God told him, Adam, you can partake of everything in this garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you can't have that, because the day you partake of that, you're going to die. Now let me ask you something. What happened when Adam partook? of the tree of knowledge, when he broke the one commandment that God had given him? Did he die physically? Not then. Matter of fact, he lived for about 900 more years after that. He still had a soul. He could still interact emotionally and psychologically and intellectually with his wife and with his children, with his offspring. He still had a body. He could still interact physically with other human beings. He could still work in the garden. But let me tell you what happened. When Adam sinned, he died to spiritual things. So that every man who was born in Adam are born spiritually dead because of that sinful nature that was passed down from him. That's why the, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 15, 16, and 17, in Adam all die, and in, but as also in Adam all die, all in Christ are made alive. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Those who trust in Jesus are made alive to spiritual things. That's what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about when he said, Nicodemus, if you're going to see the kingdom of God, ye must be born again because that which is flesh is flesh and that which is spirit is spirit. That which is born of the water, you got to be born of the water and then you got to be born of the spirit. Do you remember that? John chapter number 3. Listen to me, folks. Jesus is saying that if you're going to be uh, uh, be able to grow in spiritual things, you must be made alive first and foremost to spiritual things. Things that are dead cannot and will not grow. I remember when I was a little boy, I guess it was about, I don't know, third, fourth, maybe fifth grade, somewhere around in there in our science class, our teacher did a really good job, and it's something that I've always remembered that she did. She brought in a bunch of plants. I can't remember what kind of plant they were, but she put them all there in her room, and we had certain things that we had to do with each group of plants. She was trying to teach us about how things grow. And, and one of the groups of plants that she had there, um, she, she would only give it water. And then another group, she would only give it sunlight. And then another group, she would only give fertilize. And then there was other groups that she would give water and sunlight, and then some she'd give uh, sunlight and fertilize. And then in some groups, she'd give all three. She'd give water, sunlight, and fertilize. And every week, we would go around and look at how those plants were changing. And it was amazing to see. All of those plants, some of them looked real different. Some of them would brown and wilt. Some of them would thrive and look really lush and green. Some of them would, would, would be alive, but just barely. I mean, but they were all um, started as living things. And then I'll never forget what she did. Down at the end, she had just a stick stuck up in a little flower pot. Just a dead stick. You want to tell you what I noticed about that stick? It didn't change a bit. It didn't grow. It couldn't grow. You me tell you why? Because it was dead. Dead things 
cannot, will not grow. It is impossible for the natural man who has never been born to the Spirit, born into the Spirit, born by the Spirit, born again into the family of God, it's impossible for him to grow in spiritual things. Jude says it like this, Jude chapter number 3 and verse number 19. He's got a whole list there in Jude of people who are bringing divisions in the church. And he finally says, these divisions are brought about by sensuous people. Now sensuous people are those controlled solely by the flesh. And he says, the fleshly, natural, sinful desires. He said, these divisions are brought about by sensuous people who do not have the Spirit. Jude makes it plain that unless a man has the Spirit of God, he can't grow in spiritual things. The natural man cannot and will not grow for he has no spiritual life. But let me give you the next one. The natural man cannot and will not grow because he has no spiritual likes. L-I-K-E-S. He said, Brothers, what do you mean spiritual likes? Well, look what the Bible tells us. Second, or First Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive. Everybody say receive. The Greek word for receive there, let me tell you what that means, to appreciate, to value, to respect and honor. That's what that means. So what Paul is saying to them and to us, the man who has not been born again into the family of God by the Spirit the man who has not been made alive, who was once quickened, or, or, or who was the man who has not been made alive and is still dead in trespasses and sins, that man does not appreciate, treasure, honor, or respect the things of the Spirit. There's a lot of people who can come to church and they can respect honor and appreciate a lot of things about the church, but they'll never appreciate spiritual things. There's a lot of people who come to the church and they'll appreciate the building. Boy, I tell you what, that's a fine building and whoever built it did a good job and it's a beautiful property and they'll say all things like that and they really appreciate that stuff. And there's a lot of people who come and, and some of them will appreciate music. You know, they say, boy, that was good music and that was good singing and that was this and that was that. And a lot of people, they'll come, they'll appreciate the organization, how the church runs and what's happening. And a lot of people come and they'll appreciate the church bus and man, that's great and I'm glad they got that. And they appreciate those things. But there's a lot of people who appreciate stuff like this, but like that, but they cannot and will not ever be able to appreciate spiritual things. They will never understand what the big deal about Jesus is. They just never get it. When God the Holy Spirit is moving. I mean, they know how a business meeting runs and what's supposed to happen um, and, and the rules of order. They know all that stuff. But when it comes to how God works by the power of His Spirit, when it comes to, listen, people getting emotional about who Jesus is and what Jesus has truly done in their life, they don't get that. They don't understand that. And they'll never be able to. Why? Because they really don't have any spiritual appreciation. Why don't they have any spiritual appreciation? It just ain't in them. You can't ask a natural man to appreciate the things of the Spirit no more than you can ask my dog to appreciate opera or my wife to appreciate football. It just ain't in them. Let me tell you something about my wife. She's not up here tonight. She's teaching them young so I can talk about her. Now, y'all don't tell her. All right? It's just between us. My wife was a cheerleader 
from the time she was in about the fifth or sixth grade in middle school all the way through high school. She's a great cheerleader, head cheerleader. Man, did, she's fantastic. I'm telling you, pretty as a speckled pup, that woman's something else. Great cheerleader. Um, still pretty as a speckled pup. So thankful for her. But she was a fantastic cheerleader. I could hear her screaming above everybody. She's got a big mouth. She knows how to use it. I mean, she can, she can project that voice, and she always did. She cheered for all those years, took part in the games, went to the pep rally, did everything that a cheerleader does, but she did not, does not, cannot and will not appreciate the great game of football. She won't. I've tried to teach her. Tried to convert her. Because whether you realize it or not, the greatest game that's ever been created is the game of football. Don't tell me baseball is the greatest. Baseball is, in my opinion, a waste of time. If you like baseball, play baseball. Love baseball. Enjoy baseball. I don't like baseball. I never have. I don't really like basketball. I, I, I'm not a basketball guy. Don't watch basketball. Never cared much for basketball. Don't like basketball. But I want to tell you something. I love football. And the Lord has really had to work with me on it because for a time, football was an idol for me. And I've got to really watch it. Or I'll, get, I'll slip back into some of that. I've come to realize football is a great sport but a terrible God. Can't worship it. Right? But you can't enjoy it. And I do enjoy it. And I had tried over and over and over again to get my wife to like football like I like football. And she just won't do it. She can't do it. I don't care if Alabama is playing in the national championship game. She will leave the living room. Listen to me. She will leave the living room, go to our bedroom, watch a lifetime movie to try and figure out how a woman kills her husband. <laughs> She'll watch a Hallmark movie that she's seen 57 times about the same festival that everybody goes to and falls in love. She'll do it every time. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Look at this game that's on TV. She don't get it. She don't appreciate it. Matter of fact, she thinks I'm a little bit crazy. She's probably a little bit right. I love it. It's just in me. Always have. Now listen to me. You can't talk my wife into appreciating football because it's just not in her. And you can't talk a natural man into appreciating spiritual things, understanding spiritual things, because it just ain't in them. They really don't get it. What's all this about? Why does people get so excited and emotional? Why does... People give up everything to serve the Lord. Why do they do that? They don't get it. Why? Because they don't have the Spirit. That's why. They have no spiritual likes. Let me give you the third reason why natural man cannot, will not grow in the thing. Have any spiritual legs. When Paul was talking about living a life pleasing unto the Lord, living a life being led by the Spirit, he talked about running a good race. You remember that? 
He said, they that run the race must run all of it. Well, let me tell you why a natural man will never run a good spiritual race. Because he don't have any spiritual legs. He don't. He don't. He can't run a good spiritual race. He don't have what's necessary to get him down the road. You have to have the Spirit to grow by, in, and through the Spirit. You've got to. John chapter number 8. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look what it says there. And the last part of verse 14, but the natural man does not receive, does not receive, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For why? They are foolishness to him. What else? Nor can he know them. He can't know them. Why can he not know them? Because he don't have any spiritual legs. He don't have what's needed to understand, walk in and live out the spiritual life. Because they are spiritually discerned. These things come by the work of the Spirit in a believer's life. Are you getting me? John 8, 47. Look what the Scripture tells us. He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore you do not hear because you are not of God. That's what Jesus said to the Jews. We read a little, some of that Sunday morning. If you remember, we read John 8, 37 through 41. That's verse number 47. And he says, that he told those folks, he said, you're not hearing from the Lord. You're not getting this. It's not registering because you don't know the Lord. The natural man don't know the Lord. They can only grow spiritually if they're made alive to the Spirit, by the Spirit. Amen? Brothers and sisters, some of y'all, and I, I've been right where you're at, you trying to talk people. You've done everything you know to do and said everything you know to say to cause the people, somebody to follow Jesus. And they say, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't get it. I just don't see it. Of course you can't see it. Jesus told Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you be what? You're never going to see it till you place your faith in Jesus. It's not going to happen. It's spiritually discerned. Now, you may be here in this sanctuary, you may be listening online, and if you're honest with yourself, I'm talking about right now, you get down to where the rubber meets the road with you. Where are you at with the Lord? Maybe you're saying, Brother Israel, I'm really the natural man. That's the group I'm in. I've been coming to church and I've been going through the motions and I've been doing this and doing that, but I really know I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. I've never truly given my life to Jesus and asked Him to be my Lord and Savior. I've never truly done that. So if that's you tonight, i got good news for you. We were all once natural men. All of us. Jesus loves you. And he died to save you. Quit worrying about what everybody else is going to think and say. And get right with the Lord. Don't matter what anybody else says. They didn't die for you. He did. Trust him. 
quit going through the motions and playing the games. Trust him. Now, he talks about the natural man, but in verse uh, number one of chapter number three, he talks about the carnal man. Look what he says. That's the second group that I want us to look at. He says in verse number one, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Now, we know these are blood-bought, born-again believers because the Bible calls them babes in Christ. You know, that's what happens when a person is newly born again into the family of God. They become babes in Christ. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for babies. Aren't you? I'm thankful for natural babies, and I'm thankful for spiritual babies. Babies are a wonderful thing. Praise God for new converts to the faith. Praise the Lord for that. You know what I love about new converts? One thing that I really love about them, they remind me a little bit of newborn babies. You ever seen newborn babies get excited about us? I watched a video the other day. I wish I tried to find it this evening. I couldn't find it. It was a video of this baby trying bacon for the first time. I love that because I love babies and I love bacon. I knew exactly what this little boy was going through. I'm telling you, when that bacon hit his lips, he'd just shake all over and just scream as hard as he could scream. Loving it. Enjoying life, I'm telling you. I just did my hard good. Made my days, really what it did. I needed that. If you get a chance, look it up. I've tried to look and I couldn't find the one that I really liked. There's some of them on there, but I didn't find the one I saw the other day. Just look up babies eating bacon. Fired up. Fired up, excited. You know what I love about new converts, babes in Christ? They're excited. They're fired up. Man, they're ready to go out and charge hell with a water pistol. I mean, they're ready to go. I can remember years ago when I first trusted in Jesus. Me and a group of people, boy, we thought we was really going out and battling against the forces of the enemy. We was going out and telling everybody just how sinful they was and how much they needed Christ. We was telling them we didn't do a lot of things right, but we did it very, very spirited. I'm telling you, we went out doing it, thinking we was doing it. Now, there's a lot of things we did wrong. Let me tell you why. Because we were babies. Nothing wrong with being a baby. But you shouldn't stay a baby. Good to be a baby. Now, we've got some believers who've been saved five months, five years, 15 years, or 50 years. Regardless of how long you've been saved, that does not mean anything as to whether or not you're still a baby. Because I've seen some believers who've been saved five months and are very grown in the Lord. And I've seen some believers who've been saved 50 years and still act just like babies. And that's a sad thing. Paul mentions that right here. Three reasons why the carnal man is not growing like he should. It's impossible, impossible for the natural man to grow in spiritual things. Now, for the carnal man, for the one who has been saved, but what does carnal mean? means the flesh, that sinful nature. They're being controlled not by the spirit, but by the flesh. They're not doing what's pleasing the Lord. They're still doing what pleases that old sinful nature, the flesh. Carnal Christians. 
Dr. Adrian Rogers says that carnal Christians are actually a, an oxymoron. And he's right. Two words that don't go together. You shouldn't be a carnal Christian because why? We've been saved to live for the Lord by the power of the Lord. And when we live according to the flesh, we're, we're, listen, we're hindering what God is wanting to do in and through us. That's a very dangerous thing. We miss out a lot of times on God's best for our life simply because we're carnal. Paul describes it here. What's it look like? Well, first of all, they're slow in development. He said they're like babes in Christ still. Look what he tells them, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual people, but as unto carnal, as unto babes in Christ. What he's saying is you've been saved long enough that I really wanted to speak to you about some deep spiritual truths. But I couldn't. Why? Because you are still on the milk and not on the meat. You are still acting like babies is what he's saying. Well, my little boy, I remember he loved airplanes when he was a kid. His first word was uh, dada, you know. And I was, I was tickled to death over that. His second word that I can remember was plane. And any time you took him outside and he looked up at the sky and seen a, I told him one day that was a plane. You know, he was pointing up at it and I'm telling him. It was, so every time he'd go out and he'd see anything in the sky, he'd go plane. And oh, we just thought that's the cutest thing ever. You know, I'd call Brandy out of the house. Maybe come over and look at this. You ain't going to believe it. Plane. And we'd just laugh and hug him. It's so sweet. Now, he was at that time, I don't know, maybe two. You know, however old, old they are and they start talking. Now, would that look right if Gage at home when I got home, or tomorrow when I got home from work, if if he was standing out in the yard and I walked up and he said, playing, would that look right now? Probably not, would it? Why? Because he's as big as I am, 15 years old, and he should be further along than that. It kind of worried me if he wouldn't know further along. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not bad to be a baby, but it is bad to continually live your life like babies live. Slow development. The next thing you need to see Babies have a Similac diet. That's what we fed our kids, Similac. Anybody ever tried any Similac? Anybody ever tried any mashed up English peas with no salt in them? Anybody ever tried any squash in the Gerber baby thing? Beets and carrots, you ever tried that? That's what babies eat. I'm glad I grew up. Why? Because I eat a lot better stuff than that. You know what I eat today? Grilled chicken salad. Fantastic. Let me tell you why it was so good. I took real bacon and put all over the top of it. About four strips. Crunched it up all over the top of it. Amazing. Ranch dressing. You know what I ate this morning? Breakfast burrito. Eggs. Bacon. Sausage, hash browns, pecani sauce, 
and it was about this big. Biggest breakfast burrito I've ever eaten in my life. Fantastic. I wasn't worried about no sweet peas. There's better stuff to eat. There's better stuff to eat. Don't stay on the Similac diet. Paul said, I tried to feed you some meat. I want to feed you some meat. I want to get deep with this in this with you. I want to teach you what God's taught me is what he's saying. But I couldn't. Because you're still acting like babies and worried about the wrong stuff. Go with me to the book of Hebrews just a moment. Chapter 5. Let's just start with verse number 11. Hebrews 5.11, Of whom we have much to say, hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. Paul is talking about Melchizedek and how that, um, man, you're talking about some deep stuff, how that the um, priesthood of Melchizedek is just like the priesthood of Jesus and what all that means and how all that ties in with what we believe, what we know about the Lord. And he said, you know, I'm wanting to tell you all this stuff, but you're not hearing me. You're not able to listen. And he tells them why. He says, you're not able to listen because you ought to be teachers. You need someone else to teach you again. And he says, the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Have their senses exercised to discern what's both good and evil. He said you ought to be teaching, but you're still being taught. You ought to be discerning, but you're not able to do that. Why? Because you're still on milk and acting like babies. That's what he says to, to carnal believers, right? You ought to be writing paragraphs and essays and novels by now, but you're still studying the ABCs. And you ought to be doing calculus, but you're still doing 2 plus 2. That's what he's telling them. That's what he's telling us. Now, listen to me. Regardless of how long you've been saved, regardless of what office you hold in the church, whether you're in the pulpit or in the pew, regardless of who you are, where you've been, and what you've done for the Lord, we've all got growing room. Every one of us. If you were finished growing, if God was done with your growth process on this earth, you'd already be in heaven. So as long as you've got breath in your lungs, we can all still grow. Can you say amen? But if we're going to grow, we've got to get off the milk and get on the meat. We've got to get off the Similac diet. We, we've got to um, move along from the slow development that sometimes happens. And, and he says the evidence of all of this, the slow development and the Similac diet, is, is the evidence of several divisions in the church. He says, are you not carnal? 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 3. You've got divisions and you've got strife and you've got envy and some are saying I'm of Paul and some are saying I'm of Paulus and you're completely missing the whole point that it's all about Jesus because you still act like babies. Quit doing it. That's what he tells us. What he tells us. All of us. So some of you may be here tonight and say, Brother, well, that's me. I've got to say, you know, I've got some growing room. I'm in the carnal crowd. 
the natural man, the carnal man, but then he talks about the spiritual man. Let me do that real quick and we're going to close. Who is the spiritual man? Well, it's the man that's led by the Spirit. It's the man that's controlled daily by the work of God the Holy Spirit. It's the child of God who seeks the Lord and what he wants day by day. Now watch. He talks about him in verse number 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Do you see it? Listen to me now. First and foremost, the spiritual man lives by the Spirit. He lives by the Spirit because verse 12 tells us, move up one verse to verse number 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know. Everybody say no. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We have received the Spirit from the Lord. You know, when you got saved, yes, your sins were forgiven. Yes, they were put as far as the east is from the west. Your name was written down in heaven. But you need to understand, you were also indwelled by God the Holy Spirit. You received Him. You then became the temple of God. Now God dwells in us as believers. We are made alive to spiritual things by the work of the Spirit. He lives in us. We live by the Spirit, but it tells us here we learn by the Spirit. We know spiritual things because the Spirit teaches us. I can't tell you how many times I love when this happens. There'll be somebody, I'll be, I'll be standing at the back of the church, somebody will come by and say, Brother Israel, I, I enjoyed the sermon. You know, I've been praying for you. Thank you. I have people tell me that all the time. I'm so thankful for your prayers. So thankful for your encouragement. I really am. But they'll say stuff like this. I really like, this is what you said. This, 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 and this. And I'll think, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. That's good. I wish I would have said it, but I didn't say that. You want to tell you what I think happened? I think God the Holy Spirit gave you what you needed in that moment. I really do. The Holy Spirit teaches us what we need to know about the things of God. Amen? Let Him teach you. Sit at His feet and learn from the Master. That's what Martha said was the, or excuse me, what Mary knew to be the good part. <laughs> Learn from him. Abide in him. Live in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Learn from the Spirit. That's what the Spirit man does. The Spirit man is the man that is striving for the Lord, thriving. And the power of the Lord to be what God has saved him or her to be. So what group are we in? The natural man, the carnal man, or the spiritual man? The truth is we all got growing room. Let's start growing. Amen? Any comments or questions?